podcast today, I'm joined by my good friend Frank Soriano. Frank is a colleague, a friend, and one of the true originals of Compass. We've joined pretty much around the same time, and I hope that you enjoy this episode as much as I think I will having this conversation with Frank. Frank, thank you for joining. How are you doing? Thanks for having me. Doing I also well. want to mention that we are joined by my co-host, Danielle Stout. Hello, everyone. Danielle is fresh off a hot Friday fire vibe. Tonight is her celebration of her birthday party. The date, that, the date that we're recording this is about a week from her actual real birthday. It's a birthday week. But it is a birthday week. It starts now. And it starts now. And we have the pleasure, Frank and I have the pleasure of kicking it off tonight by going to Lure Fish Bar in Soho. Are you excited, Danielle? I'm really excited. What are you going to eat? Probably some sushi rolls, have some martinis. Okay. Share some appetizers. Share Who some knows? Good, share some good experiences. Yeah. Some fried fish. Some good laughs. Some good laughs. Trade some good jokes. Yep. Some maybe some jabs. Hopefully. Okay. Good. <laughs> good. All right. Well, Frank, before we introduce your, your, yourself, Frank, you're your true original. I must say, Franklin Crab is the name of your fantasy football team. Where is that from? How did, how is that derived? Oh man, it's kind of a mixture between Brooklyn Crab. <laughs> My name, of course. And then also a uh, little inside joke with the Jameis Winston uh, well, crab legs. Yeah, scandal. so they, they give the, the crab legs away for free, apparently. To at, football players. At, to football players. Is that what, Joe's Crab in Miami or something? No, no, no. Or? Is that uh, Publix? Publix. Yeah. Publix in Florida. In uh, Tallahassee, actually. Yeah. Okay, Tallahassee. So. Yeah. And, and then somehow media took a spit on it that he was stealing crabs right yeah i think it was kind of just like the fact that he was receiving uh you're not allowed to receive uh, free stuff like benefits yeah. per like ncaa guidelines back so, in the day yeah so i think they were making a big deal about that but uh yeah i mean that's okay. what it is but brooklyn crab i like it franklin crab you're currently sitting in fourth place congratulations thank you uh with coming in strong uh with a four and two record your only downside is you drafted daniel jones <laughs> <laughs> but, and also your other downside is I believe uh, the Chargers are on a bye week, so Austin Eckler is on your bench. Yeah, I think I have like four players that are on bye this week. Right, so that, that hurts. But you have, uh, I've noted down, Kyle Pitts. Congratulations for the uh, the Falcons. Yeah, a little sleeper pick. Top tight end. Uh, Not necessarily sleeper, uh, but. T- top tight end drafted this year. And you also have DeAndre Hopkins, who's been unstoppable with the undefeated Arizona Cardinals. And you also have uh, Leonard Fournette, who seems to be healthy so far, so that's a good start. Yeah, so far so good. Always bet on Tom Brady. We'll, we'll, we'll see. Uh, it's difficult when you have a two QB league, 12-person league. Because yeah. yes. it's like, Spicy. If, if one of your QBs goes down, you're pretty much screwed. For right, the in the a 12-team league, in a 30, you have 20 other QBs that you could choose from, Yeah. but yes, it can be it can be a challenge to pick quality QBs. For example, if you picked Case Keenum yesterday, you probably, you probably would have scored 10 points. We should start a fantasy football podcast, huh? My gosh. You could always merge the two. <laughs> okay. People are losing interest very quickly, so we're going to switch to a little bit about Frank. Where are you from? Originally from Juneau Beach, Florida. I always say Palm Beach just because most people don't know Juno Beach. Juno Beach is. Is that West Palm Beach? Is that on the island of Palm Beach? Where it's, is uh, that? it's about 30 minutes north of the island of Palm Beach, mm-hmm. but it's on the 
it's it's further east than West Palm Beach is. Got it. Further west than West Palm Beach. So further east. Further, further east. east. I'm sorry. Yeah, further yeah. east. Okay. So it's close to the water. It's like a little sleepy-ish beach town just north of Palm Beach. Okay. And you, did you go to the notorious West Palm Beach High School where Jeffrey Epstein used to crawl around campus? No, I went to uh, I went to a magnet high school actually, um, which was in Riviera Beach. Um, okay. It was called Suncoast Community High School. Got it. Yeah. And then your what were you like as a high school kid? I played varsity soccer. I swam, and then I played travel soccer. So I guess I was like a little bit of a, a jock, but like people would probably say that. But uh, I don't know. It's kind of a mix. Kind of a mix. Yeah. Yeah. You're a jack of all trades. Yeah. Yeah. You hang out with the nerds, and you hang out with the athletes, and you kind of go in between all the uh, the sectors of the high school community. Yeah, it kind of it kind of went hand in hand for for our high school because our high school was, like I said, it was a magnet school. So um, most people were in um, like advanced placement courses. They were in um, they had different programs. AP yeah, courses. Yeah, AP, AP mm. courses. Oh, good. They had IB program, which mm -hmm. stands for International yep. Baccalaureate, um, yep. and they had a. MSE program, which stands for Math, Science, and Engineering. Mm -hmm. And then they had a CS, which was Computer Science, which actually anyone who did that, I feel like, is doing really well these days with, is, with how... Is this a private school? In demand. No, it's public. Public, okay. Yeah, nice. yeah. How many kids run the school? Uh, I don't even know, a thousand? A couple thousand or something like that? A couple thousand, yeah. yeah. So we, had a, we had a large senior class. I think it was like 300 or something like that. Okay, nice. Yeah. Very big. Where did you go to college? Florida State University. Okay, what did you study? Uh, studied business management. Okay, and what do you think about their football team this uh, coming year? This year, <laughs> we're not doing so hot, but yeah. we had two wins in a row, so hopefully that can, that trend continues. Okay, good. We'll see. Okay, what's going on with your life as far as New York City? You moved because of why? Why did you move? When did you move? What, what was the story there after graduation? Yeah, so uh, I've been in the city for like roughly eleven years. First, I lived in Gramercy, mm -hmm. then I. Ended my lease in Gramercy. I moved in with family in Ridgewood, New Jersey for like four months, five months, while I looked for like a new apartment. And then I found one in Chelsea. So I was at in Chelsea for close to three years. And then um, I just recently in March of 2020 moved out to Bed-Stuy mm -hmm. in Brooklyn. Why did you move to Manhattan in the first place? For work. I mean, it was always, I feel like aspirational to move to to New York, you know, big city, big lights mm -hmm. type deal. So yeah, yeah, uh, sure. I ended up. Uh, what kind of work did you do in the beginning? Uh, started in real estate, which is kind of like very. I wouldn't say it's like rare, but it's at the time it was probably a little random. Yeah, yeah. Well, I got my real estate license in Florida, and then the market at that point in Florida was very slow. Mm -hmm. There wasn't really that much action going on. I mean, nowadays it's like crazy yeah uh, nowadays anyone can open a door and sell a home there yeah yeah it's nuts but back then there wasn't much happening down in down in florida and uh and i had a friend who was doing real estate up in new york mm -hmm. and she was like the market's very busy up here if you want to make a lot of money and be active all the time you should think about moving up to new york it's great advice yeah at the yeah. time it was uh what year was this this is 2011 okay yeah yeah 2010, real end of 2010, and then the it's coming out of the recession, kind of in the in that post-recession world, the yeah. crisis. Yeah, we were just kind of coming out of that 2007, 2008. You know, we were kind of getting back in the swing of things, and uh, the market was was picking up here in the sure. city. So, 2000, yeah, 2010. Danielle, you were in college still. I was actually in high school. 
Can you believe how it's crazy. old you are? I graduated high school in yeah. 2011. <laughs> I still feel young though, which is the most important thing. Right? Exactly. Very it's, true. Yeah, just this is a number. It's all about yeah. what's in your heart. I like to think that every age in New York is the equivalent of 10 years younger. Especially in New York City. Yeah, in New York City. So like I'm 33 now, turning 34 in December, but I feel like I'm you're in 23. my early 20s. Yeah. Basically, basically <laughs> you're 23 years old. I like that math. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Good. I like the attitude. Yeah. And then fast forward to today, you are a broker at Compass. Correct. And you live, you actually recently, I must congratulate you, you were uh, engaged. I, I recently got engaged. Congratulations. I did. Thank you very much. And yeah. is there any other news you'd like to share? I'm also expecting uh, baby boy in December. Wow. Yeah. Wow. This yeah. Chat, what's his name? It's going to be- Baby Frank. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be Frank. All his middle name's Oliver, so Frank Oliver Suriano. So Aww. Frank Oliver, so baby yeah. Frank Oliver Suriano. Yeah. When baby Frank Oliver Suriano is old enough to to listen to this podcast in ten to, t to twelve years from now, you know we gotta give him a little shout out. Yeah. You know, baby Frank. <laughs> Frank, <laughs> Frank Oliver Suriano. We're gonna call him Frank or Oliver. Frank Junior. Or TBD. Well, technically, it'll be the fifth. Oh, Frank the fifth. That's yeah, right. yeah. Because I'm the fourth. So Frank, baby, 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 Frank. <laughs> Basically. Super baby. Super baby, Frank. <laughs> Super baby. Oh right! Wow, uh, that's amazing. Yeah. I'm, I'm happy for you. Thanks, thanks. And yeah. nothing but best wishes to your fiance Danielle. I appreciate it. Yeah. Shout out to Danielle. I'm sure she's, she'll be listening to this episode as well. Yeah. So let's kick it into gear. I like to for every. I guess that I've had as of late. I like to do basically a round of one word answers. Now, I'll give it to you. You don't have to answer it in one word. It could be two words or three words. Maybe, perhaps, probably not a sentence. If you could do it in one, great. If you can do it in three, fine. No one's, you know, no one's here to judge you. But we all want to get your perspective on these hot topics. So let me just rattle them off and we're just going to do a little bit of a speed round, okay? All right, All right, go. so first one, let's go. The COVID era residential real estate market. Chaotic. Real estate reality TV. Fake. Rob Refkin. Humble. Mm. Florida real estate. Hot. NYC rental brokers. Sketchy. Street Easy slash Zillow. Oh man. This is a tough one. Mm -hmm. Popular. The real deal. Informative. Mambro Psyching Club. The best. For reference, this is not a sexist club. The Mambro refers to Manhattan, Brooklyn. This is true. Cycling Club. And actually, Frank Giordano came up with the name while we were biking down with our good friend Jake Russell from. Wait, Giordano? Bru Frank, sorry, Frank, Jake Russell. Okay. Oh, sorry. Frank Suriano came up with. Sorry, did I say Giordano? Yeah. Shout out, yeah. Shout out, Big shout out, shout out to Big Frank. Yeah. Frank Suriano came up with the name while we were biking down southbound from Brewster, New York, on our first 70-mile bike ride. The big 70-miler. Yeah, that's right. That was a fun one, huh? That was a crazy one. Yeah. <laughs> it was a crazy one. We almost got like nailed by I think like five or six cars. Yeah. You at also. At one point in time. You also. We were trying to find a drink afterwards. You're like, if, if the next spot is. You know, you can't get a beer or a line because it was COVID. There was a line everywhere. Right, right. You're like, I'm going home. <laughs> I was, was tired. Yeah. Jake was getting mad. He was like, You're not going home. I was tired. <laughs> uh, all right, next. 2022 goals. Oh man, personal or business? One word answer. 
Doesn't matter. Extensive. Extensive, okay. Compass Concierge. Useful. Compass Equity. Down right now. Down right now, <laughs> keywords. That's all we can describe it. Yeah. Uh, all right, Danielle. Go ahead. I have to give him a topic? Mm -hmm. One word. No, I give one yeah, word? Give a topic. Yeah, give a topic. <laughs> Life in Brooklyn. Mm. It's actually, am, am I answering this with one words or mm -hmm. is this extended? Oh yeah, we're, we're, we're still We're going. still on the one word train? Yes, we are. Fun. Good answer. The summer of 2020. Quiet. Summer of 2021. Busy. Winter of 2021. <laughs> Cold. I love the positive outlook from a Florida, Florida, <laughs> Floridian. All right, so we're gonna go, I like some of your answers. You're Rob Refkin, humble. Yeah. You know, one thing that he's, def he definitely is, despite his accomplishments, he's definitely humble. Yeah, I just feel like Robert is, uh, he's like, you know, a down-to-earth guy. Mm. You know, even though the company is, we have thousands of people inside the company nowadays, when like, you and I first started, we had like 50 or 60 people, right, on like one floor mm -hmm. of an office space, yep. which used to be what, the old Pandora headquarters yep. on Union Square West. I feel like Rob still comes around, addresses people by name, knows who you are, and still walks around the office and interacts with, with, with agents and employees as much as he possibly can. Obviously he has like a super busy schedule and everything else like that, just like everyone does, but, um, but you know, he's real down to earth and, um, you know, he'll, occasionally he'll still send, you know, a personal email or a text or something like that, congratulating you on a big deal or an achievement or an accomplishment. Um, you know, he's, he's humble. 100%. Yeah. I can't agree anymore. I can't agree, I can't agree more. He has the quality that we all look for in recruiting. Do you remember what that quality was, Danielle? Were there three things? H H yeah. I. See. What were the H H I's? Humble. Hungry. Yeah. Intelligent. That's it. Intelligent. Yeah. Those are the three qualities we, the top team also looks for when they recruit. We're gonna switch gears. I like to abuse the word pivot, but we're gonna pivot, Frank, and we're gonna go into some warm-up questions. These are softball questions. We're gonna to toss them to you. Just hit them right out of the park. I think the audience will enjoy some of the insight that Frank has. So the first one is, favorite, your go-to New York City restaurant and bar, both. Ooh. And you know, the bar part, sorry, you know, people don't drink, some people don't drink. Let's talk about maybe like an establishment outside of a restaurant. Maybe like some sense, you know, it could be a Broadway show or something specific. No, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm down. I mean, I love a good bar and a good cocktail. Favorite restaurant, or I mm -hmm. should say my go-to restaurant for Manhattan. I'd say my go-to restaurant is Casamono over on oh, yes, Irving. Right Irving and 17th Street. Before COVID, the chef's counter in Casamono, mm -hmm. you don't have to make any reservations. Oh, so yeah. So you just walk in, put your name in. And honestly, it's, in my opinion, the, the chef's counter is the best spot in the entire house. I have never done that before, except for the regular dining area, but they're, chef's counter. They're always coming up with, with like creative new dishes, depending on season, right? Mm -hmm. So um, you get to see the new stuff kind of come out on the, on the 
the chef's counter when it goes by when people are ordering it. Mm -hmm. So like if you're undecided about what you want to eat that particular night, you can kind of see and you know what you like, what you like the look of and whatnot. Nice. So that's great. Okay. And it's you don't have to make a reservation, which is also awesome. Right. Um, Just walk in, put your name down. Go to Dear Irving, rest in peace. Actually, in the past, you could have gone to Dear Irving. Yeah. Now you go to what? Well, you could go right next door. They have Pete's uh, Tavern. You Pete's go Tavern. to Pete's, yeah. You yeah, go Pete's. Pete's Tavern. Yeah. Or you go to, Pete's Tavern. Or what's the, what's the Fat House, the Fat Sports Bar on, on 15th at Irving? Oh. oh. I, I think that place is rest in peace as well. Sidebar. Yeah, yeah, Side, yeah, did sidebar. it close? I think so. Oh, my goodness. I hope. I don't know, we'll, we'll see. We'll have to see. Sidebar was a good place. Mm-hmm. But anyways, yeah, it's a, it's a good go-to place. Lots of good options right around there to leave your name down. Yeah. Speaking of bars, so what is your favorite bar uh, nightlife establishment? I want to add that uh, Colony in um, in Brooklyn. Okay. Um, on I've Atlantic, mm-hmm. um, between Brooklyn Heights and Cobble Hill, mm-hmm. is probably my favorite restaurant uh, so far. I mean, you're always, there's an infinite amount of restaurants that you can, you can try out in New York and, and Brooklyn, but... Um, Why do you like Colony? They just like every single dish on their menu is like great you mm-hmm. know like depending on who's got what who's in the mood for what it's like you try your friend's pasta right and you're having another dish and you like their dish just as much as you like yours yeah you right. it's awesome right um, really really good okay and then favorite bar i like death and co a lot actually in the east village oh man you told me some good stories there yeah it's a great spot it is yeah <laughs> death and co. are yeah. they still around i hope they i hope they're, I hope they're around I, like, sure I used to like Third Man on Avenue C a lot, actually. Okay, I've not been to that one, no. Yeah. Do you know, um, Danielle? I've never been to that one either. They actually no. closed recently, but it was it was a great spot. They had like live music several days out of the week, like depending on which day it was. But Avenue C is kind of like this unknown stretch. Not as trafficked. Yeah, yeah, like it's mostly locals that, that go over there because yeah, it's so far yeah. east. But they well, have we, a lot of cool spots. We over used there. to go to that place. Uh, there was the club there. There's Joyface. It's Joy over there. Face. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. Joyface is good. Zoom Schneider is good. What else? Yeah. Here? What is that other one that all the young kids go to? The cocktail bar. I can't Wayland. remember the, the Wayland. 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 Yeah. Wayland. There used to be yeah, some Wayland. good times over on Avenue C. Yeah. Oh yeah. Do you have some good times? Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> it's a, it's a great it's, spot. It's, it's great to bar hop. Really yeah. fun there. Fun out there. So that's good. Yeah. Avenue C brings back a lot of memories. Favorite New York City neighborhood and why? Tough I mean, question. yeah, it just depends. I mean, I love the West Village. Obviously, it's great and it's super neighborhoody. I like Tribeca a lot. Tribeca tends to be a little bit more quiet mm-hmm. than, like, for instance, like the West Village is is very touristy. Mm-hmm. Tribeca is like a little bit more quiet, depending on if you're like west of Broadway. Hopefully, you're west of Broadway. But Tribeca is great, and the streets they feel like old school New York. Where would you live in Tribeca if you had an option? Probably Northmore somewhere, like maybe yeah. like the Atlanta 25 Northmore, if I remember mm-hmm. correctly. Okay, yeah. Great building, huge lofts mm-hmm. um, that you can kind of renovate and build out great, to your own. Great option. Yeah. 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 Nice street, beautiful street there too, Northmore. Yeah. I love, I love, uh, I love Northmore. It's one of my favorite blocks in, in Tribeca, so. A lot of people talk down on the, the living in the city, mm-hmm. especially our friends probably in Florida. Mm-hmm. Oh, why do you want to live in the city? You could live in Florida. You could live by the beach. It's all, it's never cold. It's uh, no income tax. <laughs> the X, Y, and Z. Yeah. Right? All yeah. of our friends. I'm sure a lot of your friends in Florida talk down about New York City. Yeah. What makes New York City so good to live in and work in and why? I think it's just um, the, the, the action that you're a part of and uh, the enthusiasm and um well enthusiasm about what just like life Mm -hmm. like you know you can 
Florida's great. I mean, I grew up in Florida. I yeah. love Florida. Yeah, so, like, nothing I'm about to say. You are Florida, man. Yeah, I mean, I still visit family frequently down in Florida. But there's there's just something about New York and cultural, how elaborate culturally New York is. And you meet people from all different walks of life, from you go out to a bar and you meet an Australian or you meet someone from Japan and you meet someone from who's visiting from Spain and you get that chance. It's this huge melting pot, this cultural melting pot where you get to meet and interact with people from all across the world. And, uh, there's, there's a certain amount of excitement that's involved with that, you know? Sure. Um, Absolutely. Absolutely. It's a little bit more diverse than let's just say perhaps Palm beach, Florida. (laughs) Who knows? I mean, like, you know, but yeah, no, I get it. That Florida, a, Palm Beach area has been com- becoming. Uh, they've had a lot of. Uh, they've had a lot of action during during COVID. Absolutely. So and stuff is is constantly expanding down there. New restaurants are popping up. Um, it's becoming more of a destination rather than like a sleepy beach town. So, um, but New York is New York. New York yeah. is New York. Absolutely. So then on that topic, we're look. Don't talk about Florida. Don't mm-hmm. talk about New York. Where is your favorite city outside of those two cities and states? Mm. Or what is your favorite state outside of Florida and New York? That's tough. Oh, man. Kind of like throwing me for a loop here. Mm-hmm. Got Frank stumped. Friends of mine have a, um, have a, a second house in Maine. Mm. Near Arcadia? Or... Kennebunkport? It's about two hours north of Kennebunkport. You know, you know Maine. What, what I else? went to Maine last year. Yeah, well, what, yeah. what else is up there? Kennebunkport is north. Of, I was in Bar Harbor. Is that, that's south. Uh, Maine, it's Maine is... southern part, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's their, their little town. I don't know if they want me necessarily to say it on... Uh, Whatever, or it's fine. Little, it's like Booth Bay area, but it's, it's just like... It feels, at least, untouched up in Maine. Mm. because it's like eight hours north of the city right so like whereas a lot of people buy houses vacation houses summer houses whatever whatever you want to call them in the hamptons right or in connecticut or eight hour drive is a long drive though it's 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 a far drive and there's really no it's not easy to get to northeast maine there's like a lot of islands there so it's like you have to drive and then you take a ferry to an island it's it's, it's an experience yeah so it's a little bit more it makes it a little bit more difficult to get to but the the flip side of that the positive to that is it still feels relatively untouched as much as you could possibly get it that way got it and it's can you fly there you can fly there yeah i mean you can fly into portland and there's a couple other smaller airports that are a little bit further north but yeah okay yeah okay i'd probably say that you like the yeah everyone wants a little balance between the 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 concrete jungle and then the the pristine nature of the actual jungle, or I guess the northeast jungle. Yeah. In that yeah. case. Okay. How did you meet your fiance, Danielle? Actually, work. Funny mm-hmm. enough. Okay. I wish I had. Was she on the buy side? She was on the buy. We were both on the buy side. Oh. We were. We both had clients that were looking at a townhouse in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. And uh, I had my clients with with me. She didn't have her clients with her. She was previewing the house for her clients. It didn't end up being for my clients, but uh, it just kind of spun into a conversation that day. And we like took a, she was going to see an off-market townhouse after she was done at the townhouse we were at. And we had a little bit of time to kill before our next showing. So she asked if we wanted to join her for 
to see this off-market townhouse and I took her up on it and uh, yeah we just we were friends for a little bit and then we started dating after that nice did you make the first move and, and asked her out for dinner or something yeah we were both like traveling so like immediately after we met for the first time so we just stayed in touch via text message and nice. uh, and uh, then we eventually went out for like a couple casual dates grabbed lunch a couple times and uh, I think we went to like a juice press or something like that and then I took because <laughs> she's not that much of a drinker right no yeah. no she doesn't really she doesn't she's not she doesn't crazy about drinking yeah so um, then we friends of mine were actually had a table at La Esquina oh nice downstairs yeah want to go there I wanna my go dream back. yeah I want to go back down there yeah yeah, yeah. so she, we always joke all the time because she's like meeting your friends was really what sparked her romantic interest in me but it took her meeting my friends you know <laughs> they say you are the sum of the five closest people in your life yeah 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 is that, so, is that what they say it's my first time hearing it but sure you are the sum of your ten, five or ten closest people you also need that she was attracted to you first, right? <laughs> I have no idea. No comment. Uh, no okay. comment. Yeah. All right, uh, let, let's keep going. Uh, what's the what's an insult that you received that you're most proud of in your life? An insult. Yes. Oh man. An insult that I've received that I'm most proud of. I guess it would be that like my alter ego is like a 300 pound fat man or something like that because I love to eat. Yeah. So like I'm always eating. So like, I, I mean, I haven't really received a lot of insults, but like, like my, being, my alter ego being like a, like a, a fat guy, <laughs> like a fat guy is probably like something I'm most proud of because I love to eat. And I, yeah have no qualms about admitting that but okay but uh, you, you know you, you're you're proud that you're not a fat guy you yeah. stay fit yeah you go to berries yeah you're in the Mambro cycling club that's right you're doing everything that you need to do to, to eat yeah in the way that you wanted to eat yeah like last night i was at peter luger's you know we, oh amazing we that's took right. down uh we took down whose first time was it danielle's, it was first, danielle's time? first time unbelievable have you been to peter luger's danielle? i have not okay well we'll have to change that one the day steaks then. are just like covered with butter though you know it's well, like danielle's not really a steak girl super unhealthy i mean i could just never oh. eat a whole steak so yeah you, share, you, you would order a steak I like salad, steak though. yeah I love a steak <clears> salad <throat> yeah can't go wrong uh, what did you order T-bone in we had we had it was like a steak for two oh, That's oh what okay, it, was. it was like steak for one steak for two steak did, for three did you steak. get the, the, the bacon cut with the tomato I did not get the bacon. Okay, yeah, that's a lot for two. It's a lot, yeah. It's a lot, yeah. But that's the signatures, the their appetizers. They will literally throw a slab of bacon on a plate that looks like it came from my old frat house. All like cut up and white. It's like this white dull plate, but it's kind of super hot. And then like a slab of tomatoes with some salt. Yeah, Sounds pretty I, good. we didn't get that. It's a very interesting dish. Favorite holiday movie? Oh man, maybe Elf or 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 Home Alone. It's probably like a tie. Yeah, that's that's, that's good. That's yeah. a classic. Yeah, classic American. Okay, uh, your morning routine. Mm. Be honest. <laughs> Wake up probably like around seven. Make coffee first thing. Important. Yep. Walk the dog. Some days, depending on on how I'm, how we're feeling, how cold it is outside. Yeah. Now that we have a backyard for our house, sometimes it's just like just let it out. Let it out. Yeah. 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 Yeah, and then normally it's like start looking over what emails you got, good, um, and start kind of like planning out which email, which emails you want to attack first, 
what's taking priority. Hammer away. Yeah, yeah. Just kind of. You don't wake up and scroll Instagram for twenty minutes. That's good. No, no, no. I mean, normally not. I've been trying to trying to take some time off social media. The mornings is kind of like that that time that I've kind of segmented off. True, that's true. So you know, social media. I'll try to fit in at some point during the day. And, and kind of mix it with with work related sure. posts. Hundred percent. Hundred It is part of our job anyway. Right. At the yeah. end of the day, you have to be active on social media for clients. I mean, it's just part of the. It's part of modern day. Yep. Yep. Um, it's it, it's important. Yeah. It's important for us to realize how much our followers and our clients like actually look into the stuff that we do. Yeah, and know? it's also like um, you know agents will use social media in order to promote new listings that they might be bringing onto the market. So that's if, important. If you're scanning social media and you're seeing other agents stories about new listings that might be off market or they might not have hit the mark, they might not have posted them yet. They might have just done a photo shoot. You might DM them um, and ask them what property this is because the photos look, look great or whatnot. So anyway, but yeah, it's it's very important. Yeah. What's la final question. Warm up round. I know this has been long. This is the warm up. We're still warming up. <laughs> I like it. Yeah. Give me your role model in our industry. You no, know, for the listeners that don't really know, real estate is very segmented. Oh, you man. have from the people with the outside. You have people that follow all of the reality TV show stars and think that that's basically reality. That's yeah. basically it. Whereas in reality, they they probably do less than two percent of the business in New York City. Yeah, they probably transact less than 1%. Gross commissions-wise, they might transact maybe 5% of the business in New York City, mm -hmm. if that. Uh, but they do do a lot. But then there's also a lot that people don't see on TV, and there are role models that, that are behind the scenes that have basically built the industry on their backs. Yeah. Or, or have been the framework of setting the tone in a specific market. You know, a good example would be like someone like Bob Massey and James Nelson, who founded Massey Knackle, who... Uh, he was actually on my episode, uh, episode 51 or 52, I believe, James, uh, James Nelson. Uh, but, you know, they were the ones that institutionalized and created the foundation of sharing listings and dominating, dominating the New York City multifamily market before they were obviously acquired by Cushman Wakefield. Mm -hmm. So uh, this is a small example, but, you know, for you, you know, who do you look up to? Who is your role model? Uh, do you have any players, maybe one or two or three? It doesn't matter, however many that come to mind for you. I don't know. I guess... If I'm being completely honest, it would be my old partners. 100%. Scott Husis and Mark Ivanovich. Oh, Mark and Scott. I'm giving a little shout out to them. <laughs> gotta, give, gotta give a shout out to Mark and Scott. Yeah, they're, they're, they're amazing. Before I broke off to, to do my own thing and start my own team in March of last year, I had worked with them for 10 years, and they gave me my first shot in real estate working in Manhattan no experience, came up here from Florida, you know, and I, the thing about Mark and Scott, which I, I personally, I found unique is that no one will outwork them. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, you know, I try my hardest to, to model myself after that in the sense that and model my business after that, in the sense that the, the, the value in, in, in hard work, right. So I don't know. I mean, do you have an example? And it's just like, you know, Scott has two kids and Mark has three kids, right? And it's like, I would always and a wife and a wife both both have wives, and Scott has two kids and Mark has three kids, and it's like, even 
towards the end, it was like, I, they're, they're, they're running a huge business, you know, top 50 brokers in the country um, for their size of team. Um, in New York City, I think they were ranked number one in some category. Yeah, in, in, in some categories. I'm not sure of the exact rankings, but it's, yeah. it's um, it, when you see someone with, when you see people with that, with, with that many distractions, pulling them in that many different directions, right? You have a wife, you have a family at home, and you're still able to outwork almost anyone else, right? You're at the office until 10 o'clock at night, you're in the office at 6.30 in the morning, or you're at meetings starting at 6 a.m., 6.30 in the morning. I don't know, you build a lot of respect for for for, for that, yeah. you know? Yeah, 100%. So, 100%. Yeah, that, that would be who, who I would, who comes to, to mind. Big shout out, yeah, I, I'm the same. I'm the same. Yeah, they're definitely one of the guys that we look up to in our industry that, uh, you know, a lot of these people that are in the top of our industry are, you know, not married with kids. Yeah. Right? So that definitely is, distinguishes them from from a life responsibility standpoint and yeah. the time commitment that they have. They, you know, each minute, each hour of the day is so important for them and for them to be able to accomplish what they've accomplished thus far in their career. And, uh, and they're going to do better as, as, they, as they grow, you know, into... Uh, uh, adults, I mean, we're still kids, and right? it's also it's also like what are you doing on the weekends, right? So yeah. like you see a lot of brokers in in the business, and they'll be posting the posting stories of being out of town on the weekends, yeah. vacationing constantly, sure. and it's like, what are you really doing as far as work goes? You know, right, hundred um, percent. And they were constantly, I mean, for them, for one of them to take a vacation was like a rarity. Sure, you know? yeah, absolutely. So Absolutely. anyway, shout out to, to Scott, Mark. Shout out Mark watching, Scott. If you're yeah. listening. Yeah, I, I, I hope they're listening. Yeah, yeah. All right, so we're going to go into the, your main question. Let's go deep dive into our main section here. Yeah, geez. So, okay. you know, you're, how, how's your fall and summer been? You know, what did you do personally, professionally? I know COVID's been tough last year. Maybe start with that. You know, how was your summer last year during COVID? What was your winter like? I think, And then I mean, how does it transition into this year? I mean, year over year, summer over summer, winter over winter, fall over fall. What's going on? I think last I think last year was, I mean, in, in, in all honesty, last year was super tough for me business-wise. I think it was, I left Mark and Scott's team in March of 2020. And then we also, we also simultaneously, Danielle and I moved into our house out in Brooklyn mm-hmm. at the same point in time. Yeah. So it was like, we were, I was moving from Chelsea from my loft in Chelsea. Uh, she had sold her place in Soho. We were in the process of this crazy move out to Brooklyn. Uh, neither of us had lived in Brooklyn at any point in my 10 years. Of, that you know, winter, you and I were in Aspen. We were in Aspen. Yeah, we and were in Aspen. Remember, I think James Petrie probably had COVID. Remember he came down, he was lying down in the hot tub? I, I don't know. I don't think he had COVID. I mean, we, one of us would have probably caught it. All of us would have probably caught it. Yeah, if he had COVID. So, I mean, hopefully JP didn't have didn't, didn't have COVID, but yeah. I, I don't think it was COVID. Otherwise, we probably all would have caught all it of us. too. All well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, yeah, we had just gotten back from Aspen, which was super fun. We saw... You skied Lane. for the first time? Skied for the first time, which is really awesome. You saw the top of the lift for the first time in your life? That's that, that's some yeah. life-changing stuff, huh? Those yeah, views it was, up there? it was beautiful. It was on, great. on the snow mass and the main lift? Yeah, it was a yeah. lot of fun. Yeah, and is. thank you for uh, 
for encouraging me to get out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, a, you took a you took a pretty pretty good fall too. Yeah, I'm pretty <laughs> sure. I'm pretty sure. Like I pulled <laughs> like a muscle in my shoulder when I fell. I told you to go slow. You're like, no, nah, I'm good. <laughs> Next thing you know, yeah. you caught an edge and you go shoulder first, diving diving down the hill. Yeah, I have some good pictures of that. Maybe I'll put it up on the uh, show notes. Yeah, but so that was great, and then kind of like we had a great New Year's, right? Yeah, celebrating celebrating life yeah. out, out in Aspen. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you're right. You did move into the townhouse. Yeah, and in then uh, that's that. Yeah, we moved into the townhouse, and then the market basically shut down. Yeah. With COVID, we closed on the townhouse March, Friday. I think it was Friday the 13th of March. Wow. Yeah, oh and then goodness. the market, everything basically shut down the, the following 14th. week. Yeah. 14th or 15th. And then we were all, as you know, we were all prevented from actually working. There was a, mm-hmm. a moral t- moratorium on actually getting out with clients and going into these buildings. And even after, and that was for like about three months, right? We couldn't actually show apartments, condos, co-ops were probably the most affected by everything that went on with COVID. Mm-hmm. People that were out in Brooklyn that were selling townhouses or that that was their specialty, they weren't as affected with COVID because you didn't have the the doormen kind of like manning the front desk yep. and like preventing access yep. to, to getting into buildings. like. Yep like you did with condos or co-ops, mm-hmm. which I think kind of benefited people that were selling individual townhouses, 100%. standalone townhouses out in Brooklyn. 100%. And obviously the other markets throughout the US were kind of bolstered by that, right? Like the Hamptons was on fire during that whole thing. Florida was, you know, steadily got more busy as we got further deeper into COVID. So that was great for those but, agents. But what were you doing though? I think the whole summer, right? As soon as that whole, that everything shut down, it was all about setting myself up, setting my business up, getting everything situated. So that way I was able to hit the ground running once fall came. Because at that point in time, we weren't actively able to show anything. Nope. So we had to kind of, I had to decide, okay, what am I going to do with my time, right? That's going to be productive. How, how was that tough for you? I mean, in, you said in the summer you couldn't show. What were you doing in, in, in between or during or... A majority, what, was, what were some of the tough times for you? A majority of it was reaching out to past clients that I had worked with, checking in, seeing how they were doing with COVID. And you also had to be like a little bit delicate in terms of like reaching out to people, right? Like it ha- your, your reach outs had to be genuine. Mm. They couldn't be business focused. No way. Because everyone had their own issues that they were dealing with, making sure their families were, uh, you know, were safe. Because at that point in time, everything was kind of crazy. So it was it was mostly about reaching out to my contact base, letting them know that I that I had started my own team, and also kind of getting my CRM organized. I'd say mm-hmm. so that was that was that was predominantly the focus for that was that three month four month period during uh, during the summer when when things were shut down. Well, if you could do it all over again, is there something you would have done differently when you broke off from the team and became your own independent team? No. The Frank Seriano team? Not really. No. 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 I think everything that I did was, was exactly What kind of advice do you have for people that, you know, may want to break off and, and just be independent and do their own thing? Um, I would just say, I mean, it's really about being prepared. Sure. Right? And just making sure that your client base is strong mm-hmm. and uh, just focusing on marketing using utilizing social media to your advantage but that that's i mean that's really probably the most important thing that i found to be to be beneficial that's right yeah i mean the cash flow is always going to be tougher in, in the beginning but if you have a, a what you going back to what you said if you have a stable list of clients that rely on you then that'll 
somehow keep you afloat, especially for the probably the first twelve months. Yeah, and I think it's it's really before you you break off and 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 start your own thing. I think you really need to have a plan of action in terms of like this is and and granted last year's I had a plan of action and that kind of really got thrown for a loop with everything that went on with COVID, right? But I think having a plan of action, having a set schedule, knowing what hours you're gonna to devote to what during the day, are you gonna put, are you gonna wake up like we were talking about before and start your day off with prospecting in the morning? Are you gonna wake up and devote that towards touching base with, with current clients and updating searches and checking on new listings that, that might've come to the market either late at night or first thing in the morning? Mm -hmm. You know, but, but having that, that schedule Really. System set in place. Yeah, a system. Yeah, that's right. So just like your morning routine, you need a late morning routine, you need a pre-lunch routine, you need a pre-snack routine, yep. you need a post-lunch routine. What else? Pre-dinner routine. <laughs> pre-dinner, post-workout. Post-workout. Pre-bed, yeah. Yeah, pre-bed. During bed, yeah. During bed routine. <laughs> During bed. Yeah, it's hard to bring the work into the bedroom, but I guess you have to sometimes. Yeah, a little bit. Especially yeah. being brokers. Yeah. What's going on with the market now? Do you see it just going bonkers in Manhattan for the foreseeable future, or? I don't think it's. I don't think it's necessarily bonkers in Manhattan. I think it's been. I would describe it as being bonkers in Brooklyn. Sure. Uh, Brooklyn's been like. I mean, multiple offers on pretty much all properties that are marketed properly, have good pictures, mm -hmm. are in good locations, are priced well. Where's it the least active? Where's the most active? I mean, most act in terms of Brooklyn? Yeah. Or in terms of Manhattan? Yeah, Brooklyn, Brooklyn. I mean, all the core neighborhoods of Brooklyn are flourishing right now. Sure. Like uh, Cobble Hill, Carroll Gardens, Park Slope, uh, even Gowanus. You were looking to buy something, you said, potentially. Uh, that was out in uh, Red Hook, actually. Okay. Yeah, and and was Red Hook just as active? You think or no? Red Hook's Red Hook's slower. I mean, as 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 a matter it's of further out. Yeah, it's further. But out. Franklin Crab, if you have a fantasy team like Franklin Crab, it makes to have somewhere. It makes to own somewhere near Brooklyn Crab. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> there's not a lot of stuff that's like. I mean, Red Hook is very much like uh, in the developmental phases. Very. Yeah, it's okay. not where like anywhere close right to where like a Williamsburg is mm -mm. but it's kind of got that appeal in the sense that it's um it's close to the water right mm -hmm. sure and it's um it's it's not it's, that far away yeah it's got that edgy uh, industrial type of feel it right? does so it's like a Williamsburg maybe 15 and 20 years, 15 ago. years ago yeah, yeah. 20 years ago yeah, right yeah but the problem that separates it from Williamsburg is obviously subway access, transportation. That's right. Right? Um, unless you have a car, there's not really any easy way to get to Red Hook. Mm -hmm. So um, that's what's still kind of holding it back. Okay. Yeah. You did a really big deal this year. Probably a lifetime. Uh, one of your all-time deals mm -hmm. in your life. Mm -hmm. Do you want to shed a little bit of light on how much the amount was in the trade maybe a little bit a little story about the trade and also the the time that i give you a, a big scare about that trade <laughs> <laughs> i can always i can always count on you to give, always count on you, give you a heart attack yeah <laughs> yeah so it was uh the price point was 13.5 million and uh it was very much during the height of covid that we were looking 13.5 million can you believe that the uh That's a pretty big figure huh it, it's big yeah it's big and uh, my clients who were purchasing the property, we kind of the, the price point for them started at about ten million, uh -huh. right? And I we didn't we didn't work up to that 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 price point purposefully, but their search criteria changed. So at one point they were looking for three bedrooms, and then they realized they needed more space and they needed a fourth bedroom, 
So it just kind of got up into the, the teens. Mm -hmm. um, but they were doing a 1031, so the timing, there, there was a, a timeline that they had to abide by. When you do a 1031 exchange, for anyone who doesn't know, there's an identification period, mm -hmm. and then there's an actual, um, you have to close by this date period. Mm -hmm. So we had to identify, we had to find three properties that they were potentially interested in. We had to identify those properties. We had to submit those properties to the, to the intermediary who's handling the 1031 exchange for them. And then one of those properties ultimately was the, the goal, right? And that was the one that we put an offer in on and luckily everything worked out and we, we closed on that property within the timeline. But <laughs> the, 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 the identification period, the, the, you had told me that the identification period was the, was the, the date at which point we needed to close on the property. No, signed. We need to be signed on the property. 45 days is the identification period. Yes, yes. My understanding was that it must be signed. Yes, which is not true. 45 days. Yes. Which is not true because all my past 10 exchanges were done within 10, 20 days. But you were you were extremely confident that yes. that was the case. <laughs> yes. And I, I did not think that that was the case, but I had to double check <laughs> just to be certain with the attorney. And the intermediary, just to make sure. Yeah. But I was on a subway train, and uh, I didn't have that much service. So, <laughs> like, I got this text message from you that's like, dude, you have to be signed by this 45 date. days. And I'm like, wait, what? No, it's not the case. <laughs> and then anyway. you proceeded to call your attorney, yeah. clarified. Well, I just shot him a quick text message. It wasn't it, – I knew that uh, – I had – I was almost positive that that wasn't the case. As long as you send the – identifier or the list of what you've identified within 45 days to yes. the intermediary. And the list is signed by a representative from whoever the, the purchaser is, right? Whether it be the purchaser, in this particular mm -hmm. case, we were purchasing in the form of a trust. Mm -hmm. My buyers were, were, were purchasing in the form of a trust. So and so it had to be, yeah, a, um, a signatory on behalf of the trust. A signatory on behalf of the trust. Yeah. trust. Okay, understood. So now we know. Yeah. So just to summarize, when you do a 1031 exchange, you don't have to have a contract signed within those 45 days. You just have to make sure that it's it's identified and submitted to the representative on the buy side and also submitted to the intermediary. Yes. Okay. And then you have 180 days to close, mm -hmm. therefore. Mm -hmm. And do you want to tell us a little bit about the property? It's just, close? In, instead of going by days, right, like 45 days, mm -hmm. 180 days, whatever it is, the easiest way is just know what the dates are. Right. Right? Just know what the dates are. And normally, um, they'll send the, the whoever's handling the 1031 exchange, the intermediary, mm -hmm. they'll send through a, um, a form that actually shows what the dates are on the form. Mm -hmm. And right. as long as you just keep those two dates in your head, you can't go wrong. You always, yep. Yeah. You can't go wrong. Yeah. Got it. Got it. And what do they end up closing on? And what, it's a, uh, it becomes it was, a rental, correct? No, there it's a it's a, a pied de terre for them in New York. Okay, got mm -hmm. it. Understood. It's a to... it's an investment property, right? It's an investment, it's an investment property. property. But uh, the building that we ended up closing in uh, was on Gramercy Park, mm -hmm. and in my in my opinion, based on the comps, the other units that have sold in the building and the previous sale price for this particular listing, I think they did extremely well. Good. You know, you one could argue that the the price that they closed on this unit for was about $3 million less than what I think market price could be, whether it be now that COVID is passed or, you know, in the near future.
Mm -hmm. That's good. Yeah. I think the the opportunity to buy earlier this year and especially last year too, for people with a larger budget, it's probably one of the best opportunities of the century. Uh, at, I agree. At yeah. this price point. Yeah. Especially at that price point. I think for people who had the the foresight and were bullish on New York City market and also who had been through economic downturns like what we experienced. Mm -hmm. Obviously no one had been through anything like COVID, right? Not like, in modern times, no. Yeah, like yeah. a like a worldwide pandemic. Of course. But other situations that involved a terrible economic downturn in the market and New York weathering that storm and coming back stronger than ever, right? They've already been through a situation, a scenario like that. And I think so so for the people that had large budgets and or they were experienced in and had purchased in New York City before, and perhaps that time when they purchased in New York City was back during you know two thousand seven, two thousand eight, yeah. And they'd been through that, or even back you know back when the World Trade Centers were hit, sure. Um, yeah, yeah. And they'd been through that, you know. They knew that, you know, the 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 market would bounce back, which is a matter of time, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. No, that that's precisely right. The scared money don't make no money. Yeah. That's what they say, right? Yeah. Let's see. You know, I know we're, we're busy, so we're going to wrap up uh, soon here, but wanted to catch up on a couple more things. Pretend that I'm a buyer. I'm coming to you right now and I say, you know, what's the best deal? Give me the best deal. Everybody wants the best deal, you know? Frank, let me know when you find a good deal. You know, we get, we get those every day, right? But in an honest front, you know, what's good to buy right now if I was a, buy, a buyer in Brooklyn? And what's, where can I get the deals if I was a buyer in Manhattan? I don't really think there's any deals whatsoever to be had in Brooklyn. I mean, the, th the thing about the real estate market in New York and in Brooklyn, really, is that buyers in New York are very savvy, mm -hmm. right? True. And the market has more transparency than it has ever before, mm -hmm. right? Um, buyers are able to look at Street Easy, they're able to look at data, they're able to look at past sales, and, and they know, you know, they know that you know, what, what prices were, what, what other units in a building have sold for. And, and so there, there's, there's not really deals to be had because chances are, if you feel like something meets your criteria, especially in Brooklyn, right? If let's just say you, you, you want a two bedroom, two bath for $2 million, right? In one of these core neighborhoods, Cobble Hill, Carroll Gardens, Park Slope, even Brooklyn Heights too, to a certain extent, it, Brooklyn really, revolves around school districts, public school districts, and being able to get your kids in, or, or potentially, right, have the opportunity to get your children into one of these public school districts. And even if you don't have children, the desirability of the property and the appreciation of that property is very much that tied much into what school district that is much in, yep. right? Absolutely. So there's not really deals to be had, it's positioning yourself, being ready to jump on something when the time comes, right? catching up and, and making sure that you're completely, you're an expert in whatever in whatever market you're looking at, right? You're an expert in Cobble Hill, you're an expert in, which means you're out, you're, look, you're actively looking at properties, even if that property may not necessarily be the one, you're seeing it in person. So that way you, you feel that property and then when you're in the right one, you know it and you're able to act quickly, submit an offer, submit a strong offer, right? Whether that be at asking a price or whether that be slightly over asking price, Buyers should really speak with their agents that they're that are repping them on the buy side and ask that agent, you know, what do you feel is the best strategy in this particular situation? 
right? Is it, do we submit a little bit over asking price? Do we submit at asking price? Do we submit slightly under asking price? What do you feel is the best way to position this offer, right? So I don't necessarily feel that there's, there's quote unquote deals to be had and anyone looking for a quote unquote deal is just completely out of touch with like how the market is right now in Brooklyn, right? It's getting the, it's, it's getting, it, literally the objective is to get, get ready. is to win the bidding war, right. right? Get ready, yep. So making sure you're pre-approved, making sure you have a revenue financial form filled out if you're a co-op buyer and having the money all moved around so that way you have everything all in, ready to go and you have your team assembled, you know, if you have your real estate attorney, you have a great agent representing you, et cetera, et cetera. And then in Manhattan, I mean, a lot of the deals to be had are gone, right? But the deals that could have been had during COVID primarily, in, at least in my experience, circulated around new developments and you know sponsors or developers that were looking to sell tens of units you know i sold a unit at 77 charlton during the pandemic amazing right and one of the best buildings out there hudson hudson square right now is real estate is is very i wouldn't say it's on fire but it's like doing very well and Mm -hmm. and the reason being is because of you know as you saw google's recent declaration that they're gonna that they're gonna buy what was it? One point two million mm-hmm. square feet. That's right. And then Disney is putting Disney's in. Disney's already there. Yeah, Disney. ESP is moving there. Uh, Google might be one point seven. Disney might be one point two. I can't remember yeah, the exact number. Square feet. But yeah. it's like you know you have a crazy amount of corporate investment into that neighborhood right now. But the neighborhood still retains a lot of like a Tribeca slash Soho feel, it right? Does. So it still has like a neighborhood feel while at the same time having and it's on the west side right which is huge because west side you have the west side highway and it's beautiful and you have, tunnel you know it's easy to get outside the new city work, if you need to new work is right there you could cross into manhattan bridge real quickly to get to LaGuardia or jfk yeah. yeah it's a very versatile neighborhood so i think i mean my buyer who 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 purchased at 77 charlton i think we got a pretty good we got a pretty good deal at that point in time but those deals are are few and far between these days yeah no i agree good job on 77 charlton thanks that's, yeah. a, that's a that's a phenomenal i'm really happy for him any so. buyer that goes into that building and it's pretty much sold out now but any buyer that can go into that building that's a uh, that's a win huge win yeah so just to wrap up danielle it is your birthday so we are we have to go celebrate. happy birthday we have to go celebrate Woo. but uh danielle has <laughs> a, a a deep question I maybe it's not that deep, but it's very for, it's very surface level. Okay, <laughs> that surface level uh, for for Frank to close out. So Danielle, go ahead. So you bought a townhouse mm. in Bed Stuy, yeah, and you renovated it, right? Well, it was already re- it was in the process of being renovated. Did you uh, like do any renovations or? We did a ton of like add-ons after we closed on it. Yeah. Okay, I guess like what tips would you have for someone who's buying something similar to that, like? I mean, there's there's a lot of different stuff. I mean, it's a good question. Deep. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, no. Well, like you did the backyard up, right? Yeah, I mean, I I think we did we did about as much as we could possibly do with it coming into it. Like we had an inspection done, which is the big thing when you're purchasing uh, a standalone house. You're not buying into a condo or a co-op where there's a running log of like any maintenance issues or leaks mm-hmm. or anything like that that you that that might have happened. But you know, do an inspection of the house that you're that you're purchasing. Um, have a good inspector lined up and ready to go, so you do that as soon as an offer is accepted. But just know what you're getting into. See a lot of product. 
maybe even re like a really helpful thing might even be to f to find other owners who have purchased other townhouses that were done by a particular developer that may have renovated that house, reach out to those owners that have already bought those houses from that developer and find out if they've had any issues with any of the problems. Wow, smart. Yeah. yeah, and it's tough to do that, but if you do a little bit of, of, of digging, you might be able to, to, to dig a couple of those owners up or have your agent find out, you know, if they're knowledgeable about what a particular developer has built. So, I mean, that would be a, a big tip when you're, when you're buying out in, in, in okay, areas yeah. like that, that are mm -hmm. going through renaissances. Sure. Sure. Yeah. That's good. That was a good question. Yeah. We've had, we've put in artificial turf in our backyard, which has been amazing, especially with like winter approaching, right? Mm -hmm. Cause your grass doesn't die. Um, you don't have to, it's much less maintenance. We did automatic blinds in the house. We did, uh, runners for our staircase. We did, we upgraded a couple of, of different things with appliance packages and stuff like that, but it's been kind of a labor of love, but we've kind of gotten it to where we, we feel comfortable now at this point. Good. Yeah. Good. Making it a home. Yeah. Gotta appreciate it. You know, good things take yeah. a lot of hard work. They do. It's That's a labor why of they love. That's call it a labor of love. <laughs> truly, truly, yeah. Yes. So on that note, I would like to end it with you. Frank, thank you very much. Thanks for having me. Appreciate I appreciate it. your time. Yeah. You're listening to The Real Talk Podcast. Frank, how can the listeners follow and reach you? Instagram, social media, uh, F Suriano is my handle on Insta. Okay. And uh, if you're out in Brooklyn, hit me up. All right. So there you go. Frank Suriano, thank you for coming on. Thanks. That, that wraps up our show for today. Thank you. Thanks. All right.